Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Lateria Bailey is a motivated Jamaican-American professional with a passion for serving and advocating for youth and people of color. Through her work serving five nonprofit organizations in Montgomery County, Maryland, Lateria has researched and developed digital platforms, coordinated public-facing organization events, and supported the distribution of over $1.3 million to fund countrywide youth event development programs. She is currently working with Amgen and Senior Associate Business Communications on their Salesforce platform. In 2016, Lateria founded Young Black and Aware to bring national awareness to police brutality and racism in communities of color. Young Black and Aware has garnered international recognition by highlighting social justice issues on a daily basis. As of January 2021, online engagement has surpassed 350,000 monthly. Notable supporters of Young Black and Aware include America filmmaker Ava DuVernay, activist Brittany Picnic Cunningham, and artist Visa Butler. Welcome, Lateria Bailey. Hi, Lateria. How you doing? Hey, JD. I'm so excited to be here. So happy to have you here. So you and I have had a couple of glitches making this happen, yes. but we made it happen. So clearly, you know, what is meant to be will be. There's will no be. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> so happy yeah, to this, have you here. This is like this is like six months overdue, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, look, you identify as a Jamaican American woman, and yes. I want to know how that informs who you are. Like, what, 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 what is that? What does that mean to how you present in the world? Well, you know, I, I've recently come to like adapt that identity per se, because I'll, I'll just share a little bit of my story. I was born in Jamaica, but I actually came here when I was eight years old. And now I'm 29. So I've basically been here majority of my life. And when I was in school, I always identified as Jamaican because, I mean, my parents were Jamaican. I, you know, grew up in a Jamaican household. But I was considered Americanized, you know, because I went to school. If you hear my voice, I I sound pretty American. You probably wouldn't know until I told you. In my young adulthood, I started to realize, you know, both cultures actually make me who I am. Like I, I have things from my Jamaican culture that I love and are a part of me and then things from American culture that I love that are a part of me. So I've just started embracing everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me Lateria, so. Right, right. And so when you talk about, I mean, you immigrated here. You yourself, I always talk to people whose parents did. You were a part of that process. You remember any of the journey? I do, JD. And I was talking to God this weekend because I I am a Christian and I do speak to God on a daily basis. And, you know, trying to think of how I can share 
different aspects of my life that I haven't been as open about with my platform. And one of those things is being a Jamaican immigrant, because like I said, people assume I'm American because I I sound American. I am actually what is considered a dreamer, which is, I'm sure you're familiar, you're pretty woke, JD. (laughs) Dreamer um, and people that receive DACA, which stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, since I came here when I was younger. But technically, some people would say illegal alien, but as you know, that's not a term that resonates well with our community, since technically we are all we are all aliens on this land. <laughs> None of us are Native Americans. So... Exactly. But I, I do remember the process. I, um, I'm, I go through a lot right now even to just be present like I just completed my DACA application I've now been doing that for the past 10 years and it's something that we have to do every two years it's time consuming it costs money you know it's it's hard when you feel like you're Life is something that is political, you know, it's like well, one president is saying this and then another president is saying that. So you're, it's kind of a, a start living in a certain uncertainty that it, you kind of can't explain to people, you know. So it's ridiculous. I, it's ridiculous. And it makes me angry that you have to do that. That's absolutely insulting. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's the cards I was dealt and I'm going to make the best of them, you know? Right on. Right on. What did your parents tell you about this whole immigration experience? As you got older, did they explain what the move was about and the benefits, also the deficits? Was there any of that conversation? You know, it. I know. In, in Jamaican and Caribbean culture, I guess you could say, we don't just d- discuss things deeply like that. Like it's kind of just like an it is what it is type of mm. thing. So I actually didn't even find out my status until it was time for me to apply for colleges. And <laughs> I realized I didn't have a social, you know? And then I started asking my mom questions like, you know, why can't I get my license or you know, apply to school, get financial aid, because you can't get financial aid if you're not a citizen. My mom, she passed away in 2013, by the way, my adopted mom, because as I've shared with my platform on YBA, I had two moms, and my birth mom died when I was eight, which is actually what propelled me to coming to America. But long story short, when I asked my, my mom, you know, why? Why didn't I just come in the regular way? Why did I have to like go through this this way? And she basically called me ungrateful, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. saying that I, you know, I should be thankful that I'm even here. You know how many people wish they were in, in my position. So, you know, she did her best to um, help me before she passed away. You know, she helped me with the lawyer to get this DACA stuff. So when Obama passed that in 2012, that was like life-changing for someone like me. Like I was able to get my license, I was able to work, I was able to, you know, do 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 things that I couldn't do before. I think that the experience of the black Af- black immigrant is is specific, you know? Uh, you come from a place where there's a majority of people who look like you 
in a system that is developed for you and you come to a country that is you're led to believe is got has so much opportunity and it is going to be so amazing only to find out you've inherited white supremacy and it's not like mm. you didn't know about it in your caribbean experience but it's kind mm. of a little bit once removed is that fair to say you know it's not it's um, not the american experience it's definitely not but you know i left so young my country that i didn't have a chance to have an awareness of like okay. my how we were in the country but coming to America, you're right. There were certain like expectations about what life would be like here. We, we were under the impression that everyone was like equal in America, right? And those small, you know, well, not small as we know, but those racial nuances that we have to navigate, I don't think back then we really had words for them. You know, it, it was just like, a, oh, I know that happened because I was black. Oh, they're doing that because I'm black. But we never really talked about it. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, and actually I would argue that I kind of lived in a fa false reality because I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. And it's very diverse here. I'm black, white, Asian, Latino, everything. And we all go to school together, church together, community, live, you know, with each other. So I kind of had somewhat of a jaded view of America. Like it wasn't until I, well, I had an experience that happened, which I could share later, that looking back, I was like, wow, that was so racist. How did I not like, you know, like put two and two together, like, oh, this is how the world is. But it wasn't until I got older and of course life hits you, right? And, and, and you just, you kind of see the cards that different people are dealt. You see how a racist and white supremacist system has a lot to do with it. So right. Right, right. <laughs> I kind of I kind of wasn't always woke, JD. I wouldn't put that out there. <laughs> I wasn't always the person, you know, who, who was so pro-black and speaking up for, you know, our people. There was a time where I didn't know that that was necessary, you know? Right. Yeah, I, and you know, I, I, I'd say that it wasn't a matter of being unwoke. I think it's a matter of survival. You know, the yes. immigrant experience is one in which you are making choices to leave everything you know, even if it is the worst experience because of, for political reasons, you're still mm -hmm. leaving familiarity. And, yes. and you're coming to a place, anticipating, planning, depending on it being a certain way, and then it is not. And so yeah. what happened to you was it became, you know, an opportunity for survival, not to mention you lost your primary, you know, yeah. your parent. I mean, that's huge. And yeah. so when you come here, you think all of a sudden you're going to jump into, you know, the adjustment game and figure out what's going on. That's going to take you a lot of time and effort right. to just survive it, let alone to understand it. So I think that's your story is amazing. Thank you for sharing. Thank that. you, JB. And um, even it's you highlighting my immigrant experience, even in my youth, I didn't even think about that because when I first came here, I wasn't really well received by like peers and stuff, black, white alike, you know, so not like any specific race, but 
I just wasn't well received. You know, I'm, I'm trying to learn the culture. I've only really seen America on TV. I did everything possible to lose my accent. Like I didn't want anyone to even know I was Jamaican. And now looking back, I'm like, I wish I never did that. You know, I was like trying to, what is it? Cultural. Um, yes. Yes. And so I, you know, that's, that's why even today I sounded so American because yeah. I really did put an effort when I first came to like, not, you know, stand out. Like I want to fit in. I hate that, that that's a thing. I, it really makes me so sad that that's a thing. And I, I want you to work on getting your Jamaican accent back. <laughs> Yo, but stop. So we can't chat Jamaican a little bit. But yeah, every okay. time they do it, the people them semi-stone American. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. Exactly. <laughs> they try to um, play me. <laughs> you talked about, you know, black and white alike, the difficulty with coming and and sort of, you know, the consequences you felt. You know, one of the sad stereotypes is that people from the Caribbean, they don't want to be black. And, and that there's this, this effort to separate from blackness. And so I think what happens, particularly a while ago, I'm hoping that's changed somewhat, that there is this little misunderstanding which is based in white supremacy that facilitates you know, people from the island and, and black Americans, African-Americans feeling like, okay, how, how are you, you, come, you coming in for the purpose? Or are you gonna mm -hmm. try to act like you're not a part of it? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you know, They've had this debate on TikTok for quite some time, Black Americans versus other people, Black people from the diaspora, and how there is like some sort of beef that, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, it makes no sense because at the end of the day, we all the same. Um, yeah. And we're, we're literally fighting over, I, I, I don't even get it. Like, but, I don't, I, but that... That that you said is absolutely true. There are Caribbeans and Africans that do everything to disconnect themselves from Black American culture and having being associated with that because they associate it with struggle and other things that white supremacy associates with Black Americans. And that's why we know that has to be the root of this issue to begin with. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, there's no, there's no beef amongst <laughs> us. It is just uh, what we've been taught by white supremacy and we have to unlearn. Yes. A lot of I told to do. A lot of unlearning for us in a different way. So I want to jump to your social media presence and make sure we get this in because it's so okay. powerful. I saw that you, yeah, no, it really is. I mean that. And, and I, and I, I just, so respect what you do. I follow you religiously. I post things that you post. I love, I love this generation of empowered, educated, you know, individuals who are putting information out there. I feel like I finally get to take a rest, you know, because I'm, I'm 63. I've been doing this a long time. So what? There's no way. Yeah, no, real talk. No, so the no you are not a day over 40. Stop it. God bless you. God bless you. This is why I follow you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but what I mean, you know, like, so, you know, I'm one of the ones without social media who's on the front line talking, teaching, telling, and it's just so yes. wonderful. You know, I don't have to think of anything to write. I just have to look up one of the people I follow and be like, yep, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what yes. I feel. So, 
So, so I love it. So I found you while scrolling and they say, what, doing the death scroll, you know, you're going through <laughs> and looking and you jumped out at me. And first of all, I love the name young, black and aware. And I love the fact, yeah, no, I do. I love, love the name. So that just jumped out at me right away. And so I went in and then um, it's great to learn that you've got over 350,000 person engagement monthly. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We've come a so, long way. Uh, I mean, pretty quickly though, considering. Was that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know um, but JD, I, I started you know, Young Black and Aware on Instagram six years ago, I think. And uh, we we had consistent followers about like under a thousand, but you know, my people, they looked out for, you know, they they appreciated what I was bringing to the table. So they were consistently supportive. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that's what kept me going. I'm like, you know, people appreciate this information that I'm putting out there. And I appreciate learning it and sharing it with, with everyone. It, it really was the push I needed to keep going. Because if I was motivated by like, you know, number of followers or number of likes, I, I would have stopped doing this years ago, you know? Right. So it actually wasn't quickly. I thought it was less time than that. You put your time in. Respect. <laughs> Okay. And so, you know, um, I I know what young black and aware means to me. Tell me what it means to you, how you came up with it. It it all started for me when, as you know, um, police recordings is a fairly new phenomenon, right? And I think that that started happening around 2014, 2015, where, you know, they they were required to wear the body cams. Yes. And it was then for the first time that I started seeing, obviously, all the unjustified murders of, you know, innocent Black people in a way that I had never seen before. And um, I was triggered, hurt, not knowing what to do, you know, feeling helpless. And um, when I would express myself on social media, like on Facebook, you know, People would tell me I was like basically doing too much. You know, they're like, oh, you know, it's calm down, basically, you know, oh, and stop. I'm from the time in social media where people were offended by hashtag Black Lives Matter. Okay. I've had to argue people down about why our lives matter. And that in itself was what led me to say, you know, I know there's other people that must feel the way I'm feeling. I know I can't be the only one feeling like, what the hell is going on? I noticed people were like, not sharing that stuff. Like they they would move on to, oh, what's the shade room doing? Or, you know, what's what's happening on Love and Hip Hop? (laughs) And I'm like, but did you see them just killed this person just yesterday? And we're just moving on like nothing happened. And so, you know, I said, if I can at least show and, and, and speak out about stuff that's going on, if one person is affected, then I've done what I needed to do. And so I decided to start Young, Black, and Aware. It was almost Young, Black, and Woke. Okay. But, <laughs> I'm glad you're aware. Yes. But at the time, I was, I was 21. And I was like, you know, what, what, what describes, no, I was either, I was 21 or 22. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
trying to think of, you know, things that describe me, because obviously I'm trying to attract people that, that think like me, but also I wanted to prove to the world that young Black people do care about what's going on, because there's this image that we're just out partying and smoking and drinking and living our best lives and, and not really caring about what's happening to us. So that was my whole goal in, in starting it. And I, I didn't get a lot of support at first. I, friends, family, I, I messaged everyone. I was like, follow me, follow me, follow me. You know, some people did, but a lot didn't. But, you know, I didn't take it personally. I was just like, I, I'm on a mission and kept going. You know, you you just hit on something that I want to highlight, which is, you know, it's not that young Black people don't care. It's not that older Black people don't care. It's that not everybody has the emotional bandwidth yes. to take in the impact of that which we deal with on a daily basis. Mm. Most of our community is not taught how to process racial trauma, which is why I'm constantly talking about it. So if you yes. don't know how to deal with it, you separate yourself from it in whatever way you can to survive it. And now yes. that we're developing a language for it and validation for it, you are seeing people speaking up, speaking out, finding out that's a way to breathe because you can't yep. breathe when you're keeping all of that in. So, you know, I think it's like something. living in, living in a narcissistic society that's manipulative where if you tell them it's wrong, they're like, no, it's not. It's not me. It's you. It's because right. you did X, Y, Z, but we're not talking about the things that you did to affect how we are acting right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a very important point. And I think honestly, this this is why I believe like like God does certain things for a reason because I think maybe in some ways I am able to detach from the information in ways that other people might not be able to, and and so I but but I still have to create boundaries for myself because I you know this is my trauma too this is this is all of our history and. Um, I decided, I believe it was after, was it Botham? I think it was Botham Jean when he was shot and killed by the police officer. I said, I'm, I'm not watching any more Black men get shot and killed. I, I physically, I cannot do it. I can't watch it, then process it, then like, then just move on with my day. I, I can't. So I decided, you know, like if I see any of those videos, like to this day, I have not watched the George Floyd video to this day. I have not watched it because I'm convinced I, I, I said I can't. <laughs> look, 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 you're saying you're saying a couple of things that I've been saying lately, which is we don't have to watch it to feel it. We don't have to watch it. We're a collective yes. community. We're, we are emotionally impacted, regardless of whether or not we watch the details of the video or not. Yes. I, I am. I'm in a role where I process things with people. I'm a therapist. I feel it's yes. my responsibility to watch things, understand them and be able to explain them. Having said that, it has done a lot of damage to me. I'm not one who can separate from it. So given what you're doing, I just want to validate you deciding to do that as a component of mental health so that you can continue to do what you do. You know, I think that makes sense. That's, a, that's yes. an important choice. If I felt yes. like I 
do that responsibly, not in my role, I would choose to do that too. Because I tell therapists, you need to know what's going on. You need to know how people are impacted. So you can then have conversations with them and process it. So I I support your choice and what you're doing wholeheartedly. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, like some people, you know, my followers DM me all the time. They'll send me videos for me to repost and stuff. And, you know, sometimes they'll send me those and I'll just ask politely, you know, I'll say, I, I don't watch black men or women being shot and killed. Like that's just, and I'm not going to share it either. That's just something I can't do anymore. Personally, it's, oh, it's too much. That. Yeah, I agree with you completely. So what are you most proud of today with the work that you're doing? Because you have a, you have two professional lives. You have a big yes. professional life that's paying and you have a professional life that's going to pay, but right now it's paying you emotionally um, because yes. you're getting, hopefully, the props that I see you're getting. I know you're getting. So I think to know that you are impacting people and to know that people see you're impacting people is very powerful. So yes. what, would, what would you say is most you're most proud of to date with, uh, with putting out your, your content? I'm proud of a lot of things. And I think I want to say number one is the community built. I feel like the followers on Young Black and Aware, they like build relationships with each other. And it's just so cool to witness, you know, that happening because of a page (laughs) that posts content. And so I think that is my favorite part, just seeing all the interactions, you know, they go back and forth. People will politely correct. Some people will not so politely correct. You know, it just, it's a mixed bag, but I think it's what makes the community, the community. It's also a place where, where white people, white allies can come and can also, you know, share their voices when necessary and appropriate, of course. And I don't think that that's something that I've experienced with any other page. So, um, or with, with any other, yeah, it's just different here. The vibe is different with Young Black and Red. I love it. And then my second accomplishment that I was like, girl, you got to go hard was when um, Ava DuVernay followed us. And I was like, flabbergasted. I was like, because I'm so inspired by her, like watching her films and documentaries was one of the things in my young adulthood where I was like, like, shit is serious. Like, I, I can't just sit here. Like, when I watched 13, that was um, that was a pivotal moment in, like, my social justice growth. And um, When They See Us was another one. I was, I was super impacted by that movie. And so, you know, when she followed me, <laughs> I was like, God, what? I said, there's no way. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you gotta pitch me. I checked like a million times just to make sure I wasn't like making it up. I was like, Ava DuVernay, the Ava. <laughs> so that really inspired me. And, you know, she'll, she'll even interact with me. You know, she's, she's pretty, she's a dope human being. And to see, she followed me when I didn't have a lot of followers. I probably had like maybe a thousand, if that, you know? And so I said, if someone like Ava can, can see this page and, and be compelled to follow, I said, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. You know, I, I like that it's a diverse community that's, that's interacting on your page. I, I'm gonna say one thing that I say all the time. 
Yes. White people are not are not allies in this struggle. They are mm. not allies. They are, it is their war. Mm. And so you can't be in a war, you can't be an ally in a war that you created. And the war against white supremacy is their war. Yes. So I'm gonna need to strike, I'm gonna need to strike the word allies. We we have got okay. to ally sit back and get to choose to be involved. There is no choice. Yeah. This deconstruction has to happen at their hands. Yeah, you know, that's powerful right there. That's powerful. You know what? Yeah, I like that, JD, because you're right. You you created this mess. We the allies. <laughs> if we choose to be. Change the narrative. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm all about changing the narrative. I'm all about trying to rethink things to make them user-friendly and realistic yes. and to re-educate in a way that puts a responsibility where it belongs. I'm not about okay. yes. anymore. So yep. you and I bonded, you know, you and I bonded over the devastating genocide of black and brown bodies. You know, the, I think it was the, it's been ongoing, but the one that, that we both seem to not be able to move forward from most recently, unfortunately, was the grocery store. I mean, I don't think either one of us said grocery store and I got goosebumps. Literally. I I mean, you posted, I posted, you posted, I posted, and I have a small platform, but I do speak and I do repost things that speak. And I could not, I uh, thank you. Thank you. And I cannot stop keeping their memory alive. And I, I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I've, I've tried to think about, you know, what in particular, obviously elders were involved. It's elders yes. and children that seem to trigger the greatest response. But I think in this case in particular, you know, we, we, are, we are in the midst of a, of a war where we are being targeted. And the idea yeah. that elders who hold, who hold our history were taken out. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. When I, JD, when I read about that 86-year-old grandmother who volunteered her time every Saturday to, to food pantries to serve her community, who just went to the grocery store to get some food for lunch. How, how do you? The, how? There's just no words. There's no there words that for, for that kind of wickedness. There's no words, and 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 the 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 the, the white silence that I witnessed after that was disappointing. You have said it. I've said it. We've gone back and forth and said it. Other people with the same um, message have said it, and I'm just wondering, you know, when Will Smith hit Chris, there were more white people weighing in left and le- lost left it. right. Right and left dishonored the academy. You know, they they, they lost it. You would have thought the American country was in danger with Will Slap. (laughs) You you thought somebody was about to invade the country of America because of Will Smith Slap, the way that these white people were talking about it. And I just, I just, I, I was so angry. I was so angry. I unfollowed all of the white people that I know on Facebook. I couldn't take it anymore. I did too. I, I, I had to, I had to unfollow a neighbor because she, she made these posts about Jada 
you know, talking about her bald, bumpy head, talking about her toes sticking out of her shoe. I said the anti-blackness is so real. It's so real. You can hide it behind the Oscars, but it's anti-blackness. And the thing for me is that um, you, you love me or you know me and we have relationships with each other, but you see people like me being killed and you don't say anything. Yep. But Nothing. let me post a family, let me post a family picture, and it's like, oh, so I said, you mm-hmm. know what? I don't need see, mm-hmm. I don't need to see your silence anymore. I don't need to yes. see your silence. You can still be in my life, but I don't need to see your silence because it's yep. too hurtful. And but and you know what? It not only does it show them, but it shows the ones who do step up and who do point out you know, that white, white people need to take accountability. And, and, and for me, that's, what's important. Y'all are the ones I, 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 I'm, I'm going to stick with these other people who can't even, who can't even do as much as make a Facebook post. If you, you can't even do that to show your support. I have I don't want, I don't want nothing to do with you. It's like, you and said, I can't and if you go out of your way to talk crazy, Oh, I'm definitely, oh, that's, that's blocked. That's blocked. I won't even entertain that. Some, yeah. some guy, some guy the other day, he hated when I said, if you, what did I say? I said something like, he accused me of being anti-Ukraine. And I said, I'm not anti-anybody. I, I'm anti-war. And that's not my war. I don't know enough to act like I know enough to talk right. about which one did which one wrong. That's, that's right. not my, that's not my wheelhouse. And we he said, not no. over there. <laughs> And we see how Africans are being treated over there. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm okay. looking at, no matter, where, no matter where we are, how we're treated. So mm-hmm. he says, this dude got so pissed. He said, if you're for Biden, you're for you're for Putin. Now, when did Biden get in bed with Putin? Now, I'm no Sorry, Biden fan. <laughs> Here's my thing. Um, first of all, I'm not for politics at all. But if I have to be for somebody, I'm going to be anti-Republicans because of what they represent in this yep. country, which is now the extreme white, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how, I don't understand how this is a, is a discussion. This man called me out my name, called me all kinds of things because I because I wouldn't agree that it was Biden and Putin in bed together. So you know, you know what? People is that like the craziest that? thing? In my in my younger younger years, Davy, I used to have the time, and I used to go back and forth no, with these I don't. people. Now I, I simply hit the block. I simply yes, and sometimes by the time I get to them, my followers already got to them, and I didn't have to. Do <laughs> That's great, Lateria Bailey. So amazing that we're going to turn it into two shows, so you can get it all. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.